Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me, my fellow football priest, you know him, you love him, Zach Kelberman. Zach, as if George Payton's NFL draft legend couldn't grow any larger, news broke the, over the last few days. Here we are on Sunday. Last time we were able to speak with everybody it was Thursday night that the Lions have been fleeced with yet another draft pick from the Trinity Benson trade last summer. The Broncos get another seventh-round pick. Now, maybe another seventh-rounder is not much to write home about, Zach, but when you realize that that wide receiver, who's a former undrafted rookie that was flipped to a non-conference opponent for a fifth and a seventh-round pick in the final analysis, I mean, hats off. They never really replaced him, though. I mean, that's the thing. They couldn't have counted on Hamler getting hurt, and they couldn't have counted on Pat Shermer actually regressing from 2020. But he was the speed demon. He was the guy that was taking the top off of defenses, at least in preseason. So I like Trinity Benson, but I like this trade more for the Broncos and what George Payton was able to do. And it was funny. There was like a mini controversy the last couple of weeks. Every time Payton would talk, he would mention nine draft picks they had for 2022. Even the Broncos' own website reported eight draft picks. Everyone's wondering where the extra one was. Well, as it comes to find out, uh, the NFL awarded the Broncos an additional seventh-round pick, and they have nine picks with which to work uh, later this month in Vegas. And I think it's extra ammunition for George Payton if he wants to move up or take a Shot on a late-round prospect. They brought in a lot of tweener in the terms of seventh-round slash UDFA. You know, guys that could be drafted but might not be drafted, and they could use this selection on one of those guys. Can't hate it. Can't hate it at all. But how did Trinity – look, I'm not a huge – obviously, I'm not keeping close eye on on the developments of the Detroit Lions. But how did he perform for them in one year? Let's see. Eight games, Zach, he appeared in. Two starts, hauled in 22, or pardon me, 22 targets. I know you guys can't see this, but the last time I tried to blow it up, the ads took up the whole screen, so just bear with me. 22 targets, Zach. 10 of them he hauled in for 103 yards, zero tutties. Uh, Let me see if there's anything else here. We got some snap counts, 279 on the entire season. That's it for Trinity Benson. So if you're the Detroit Lions, at least in the short term, you came out on the wrong end of that particular deal. Well, yeah, when your play caller is, you know, biting kneecaps and Dan Campbell and your quarterback, Jared Goff, it's not a great situation for an up-and-coming receiver to be in. Seems like he carved out that niche in Denver, but Denver seemed like they didn't need him. They didn't want him. They traded him. I wish Benson all the best in Detroit, but I want the Broncos to have that guy that was replicating his speed and what he was able to do in the preseason. I think that'll benefit Russell Wilson this coming season. 
Just want to give out some hellos, some what's ups, some happy Easter's to those of you who celebrate. My family celebrates. In fact, I had to, this is how much I love y'all, had to fly home from a, a family gathering. By fly, I mean just halt butt um, to celebrate Easter and do an Easter egg hunt tradition thing, you know, with my Nana. I call her my Nana. She's my grandma. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So I hope you guys enjoyed your Easter's if you celebrate and that you've had a great weekend. Lots of spring cleaning going on, I'll tell you that, at Casa Jensen over the weekend. Claude, what's good, bro? Good to see you. Appreciate you, as always, my friend. Uh, what's up? I see uh, Anthony Miller, Dale Fleming, Corey getting in early, Mark Ward, Jay. Let's see. Oh, tall, dark, and Mexican. Color me intrigued. Drew, what's good, bro? Happy to see you. How you been? Still dutifully rocking. The hat like a boss. He says, good to see y'all again. I liked Benson, but I'll take another pick. Yeah, I mean, I liked him. But, Zach, the big thing, you brought, you brought it up. There, there probably could have been some utility to holding on to Benson last year in the wake of the Hamler injury. But everything that Benson is, even now, it's all in potentia. And I guess that's the same thing when you talk about a draft pick. But a draft pick to me is, um, two of them anyway, even though they're, we're talking about mid and late round pick, more tangible something to sink your teeth into because put yourself back in George Payton's shoes when this opportunity knocked and you're talking about a college free agent, what was it, two years removed? Might have been one year removed. I'm trying to remember when he entered the league. But, and it's like, hey, the Lions come knocking and they're offering me a fifth and a seventh for a dude that, there's a solid chance might not even make the roster. Like he had played well, don't get me wrong, but yeah, I'll take that deal. You know, I agree with you uh, in spirit and I agree with the premise, but can't the same be applied to KJ Hamler? Isn't it all potential with him still? He hasn't really shown what he can do at the NFL level as far as I'm concerned for a second round draft pick. Again, I like Benson's skill set. There's always a utility for that, like you said, but in hindsight, which is glorious, hell of a drug. The Broncos got multiple draft picks for his services. A guy, like you said, might have been cut. I thought he deserved to make a final roster, but say la vie. And um, it wouldn't have mattered with Teddy Bridgewater under center. It wouldn't have mattered with Pat Shermer as the play caller. It, it wasn't appealing to what Benson wanted to do. And, uh, you know, Benson might have benefited in the long term for being on a team that was going to utilize him right away. Unfortunately, that team is Detroit, but we'll see if they're in for better prospects uh, in 2022. Mike, good to see you, bro. Appreciate you very, very much. The Duchess in the hizzy. What's going on? Michaela with an early super chat. Thank you, my friend. We love you. We appreciate you. Happy Easter right back at you. Hope you've had a good one. Same to you, Rodney. Appreciate that, my friend. Um, have you watched any of the uh, USFL, Zach? Anthony Miller here saying, anyone see Paxton Lynch stinking up the USFL uh, with this afternoon with three turnovers? I've been pretty busy, so I haven't had a chance to watch any of that. I want to pull up the pick so bad because I hadn't watched a minute of the USFL, another upstart league that has no chance of really competing with the NFL as far as I'm concerned. The first game I put on, Paxton Lynch comes into action, I, I believe for Shea Patterson, the former Michigan quarterback. And like one of his first passes, quick three or five step drop, simple pass, football 101, he throws it right to a cornerback, or mm. safety, whatever he might have been. It was Paxton being Paxton. It's truly hard to believe not that long ago he was a first-round pick. It's hard to believe he was competing for a starting job, not just one year, but two years in a row, and lost out to a seventh-round draft pick two years in a row. But we don't talk. The about. defining image 
Is there not? I mean, I don't know. Iconic can also mean bad things, I guess. But the iconic. Notorious. Notorious. That's a better word for this. Image of Paxton Lynch <laughs> is the boobin on the sideline oh, in the black hole. In the black hole. It's bad enough you're going to do it, but in the black hole. Emasculate yourself. Emasculate your team in the most bloody hated, you know, I don't know, find the word rivalry in your division. You're going to go cry on the bench in the black hole. That was the, uh, I would say the beginning of the end, but it wasn't the beginning of the end was the day he was drafted. Um, it was the final punctuation, the death nail. I don't know, but that was it, dude. That was it for Paxton. There's no bouncing back from that. Zach, you got to think about it, dude. The legendary figures that have been quarterbacks in the mile high city, Frank Tripuca taking it back. Uh, I mean, Craig Morton, uh, John Elway, Peyton Manning, Jake Plummer. I mean, these dudes, they'll cry at their mother's funeral. That's that kind of, now I'm not saying, Hey, it's like the Lebowski, big Lebowski, strong men also cry. No offense to dudes. I get verklempt sometimes I do, you know, sometimes a song, sometimes a movie I'm watching or whatever, but when you're a professional making millions of dollars, Zach, on the sideline in a heated game like this, no, dude, that was the. There's no crying in football. Unless you're hoisting the Lombardi trophy, there's no crying in football. I prefer my young quarterbacks to be breaking into houses dressed like uh, Woody from Toy Story and getting into fights with vacuum cleaners. That's just me, though. I don't want quarterbacks crying on the sideline against my most hated rival when that's his chance to stake his claim as a worthy first round quarterback. I'm so glad. And I've said this for years now as a view. He's not the Broncos' problem. He is the USFL's problem. Good luck with that one. Albert, I'm so sorry to hear this very bad news. Give our best. and um, Sorry, Albert. You know, give Michelle our condolences. We're, you'll be in our thoughts and prayers and let her know that. And um, I know you are a uh, family of faith, and I'm sure that will that will strengthen you during this difficult time, but give her our best. We're very sorry to hear about the passing of Michelle's mom. Yeah. You have our condolences and our thoughts. All right. Let's see here. Um, okay. One more time. Yeah. One more time. Um, uh, did you count that? I'm trying to count um, Scott's hand figures. Huh? He's doing this, trying to help me understand something, communicating in the green room. I'm sorry, dude. I botched it. A symbolic number for her age. One more time, Scott. One more time. 85. You can cut this out. 85? 85. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, good to know. Thank you, Albert. And again, thoughts and prayers up. That's for reals. All right. Great people. The Knoppers family. Um, love you. Okay, Zach, a couple other things I want to touch on here with you. We'll get this, keep this conversation going tonight. Uh, this was the subject of the Mile High Insiders podcast last night, which was a great episode. Um, talking about, for what it's worth, Baron Browning earning huge coverage props from Pro Football Focus. All right, let me, let me just give you the figure first. All right, so uh, let me see where it's at here. All right. The most coverage snaps played without allowing a touchdown last year, Zach, among rookie defenders. You might think Micah Parsons. You might think Pete Werner. Nay, twas Baron Browning, 305 snaps without relinquishing a touchdown 
in coverage. Sounds like a guy to put him on the edge, huh? Let's 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 nah. Let's have him start chasing the quarterback. Well, this is why people think that he's going to be the next Micah Parsons as like a movable weapon around the formation. He's he's a good player, a really good prospect. I don't think he's Micah Parsons though. Parsons is once in a generation. That's why I was pounding the table for Parsons last year. Browning is just a tier below that, but still good all the same. And it's just it's just. I don't know. It's amazing. It's baffling. The Broncos finally find that inside linebacker who excels in coverage. And, they, and the next year, if they want to move him to a different position, even on an experimental temporary basis, it's going to stun his growth at inside linebacker where he belongs. And worse than that, who they sign to replace him? Alex Singleton, another two down, one dimensional player who succeeds against the run. Baron Browning was seen against the run and also the pass. Big fan of Browning. We have to just trust the coaches and uh, pray they know what they're doing. Zeus. What's going on, big dog? Heading back to the Mile High City. That's really cool news. We can't wait to have you closer, my friend. That's so cool. So cool, my friend. Uh, give our best to your family and hope you have had a really good holiday uh, today on Sunday. Zeus McPeak. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, dude. Um, yeah, I don't get it, dude. Oh, we got the Oi Boy. We got Chaos Josh in the house, too. My brother in punk rock. What's good, bro? Happy Easter back to you. Appreciate all you do. Hashtag MHH. Thank you, buddy. Let me ask you, Josh. All right. And this is a rhetorical question. No, this is not a rhetorical question. I'm asking y'all. Does it make sense considering, look, we know Baron Browning wasn't perfect last year as an off-ball linebacker. Made his debut as a starter, Zach, week nine on the road in Dallas where they curb stomped a unsuspecting Cowboy squad that just wasn't ready for that heat. And he played a phenomenal game, and it was really cool seeing a 56 patrol in the middle of the field. For those of you go back in time and think about Smoke Dog, Al Wilson, and all that, it's just a cool number at the off-ball for the Broncos. It's got some – the number has some mystique. It has some juice. And, you know, it wasn't perfect. Sometimes his read and react, sometimes his run fits weren't, you know, exactly what you would hope to see. But he's a rookie. He's learning. And at Ohio State, they moved him around so much that – he actually entered the NFL a little bit behind the eight ball in that respect because he couldn't really specialize. And now the Broncos are pondering making the same mistake as a pro. Just when you think, Baron, you're about to get your footing and you know you're this is what you're going to be doing in the NFL, we're going to go ahead and split your focus and have you start chasing quarterbacks. Zach, I'm not opposed to sending them on a blitz here and there. I'm right. just saying you want to make the same mistake they made with Demarcus Walker. You want to make the same mistake they, they made with – Justin Hollins. Those are just two names in recent history. It hasn't panned out. And as you said, look, Micah Parsons and what he did, he made it look easy, but it's not easy to do what he did. Not just anyone can do it. And Browning's a great athlete. I mean, if you go back and look at his athletic testing, Zach, at the combine, I mean, there's a fair, I can understand why the Broncos would be attracted to the idea, but when he played so well at off ball and it's been such a need such a gaping hole on your team for so long. And now you got a young guy with some juice that showed out as a rookie. That's just not, I'm not tempting that fate for what it's worth. You said rhetorical question. It made me think of rhetorical question. Farley. You ever see Mr. Woodcock with Billy Bob Thornton? Great movie. Anyway, about Baron Browning. Um, the, the argument is that he's successful off the edge, but it's just a little, again, astonishing the Broncos would even consider that after picking up Chubb's fifth-year option and then turning around and handing an edge player, Randy Gregory, $70 million over five years. You have your edge guys. You have your backups in Malik Reed and Jonathan Cooper. You're 
pretty well off there for the most part. Maybe had a guy in the draft and, and a young player to develop, but Baron Browning should be the starter at inside linebacker. That's our opinion, but we'll see if Evero is uh, correct. Scott brings up another point. Uh, you want to pay an inside linebacker? Uh, probably cost you six million bucks. You want to pay a top ten edge? Try like more than double that, fourteen and a half million. Like even a guy that's modest, you know, kind of his production is relatively modest. Like even Malik Reed, dude, when he hits the free agent market in a year. Like n- neither you or Isaac are going to be running to throw some money at that dude, but there will be teams to look at the resume. If his agent does a good job, we'll see how he does in a contract year. Th- that'll be a big determining factor, obviously. But let's say he was hitting the market just this past spring. Hey, led the team in sacks two years ago when Vaughn went down, carried the edge water when Vaughn was traded in year two and Bradley Chubb just, or you know, the next year when Bradley Chubb just wasn't quite himself. I mean, that's a dude that can probably go out there and make in the maybe not quite 10 million, but seven, eight, nine million bucks for Malik Reed. Now, Baron Browning hits and ends up being a guy that can, from the edge, you know, provide you somewhere approximating 10 sacks. Yeah, as Scott puts out here, you know, it's going to be a pretty penny to, to extend that guy relative to being an off ball linebacker. And you have, Zach, investment at off at edge right now in terms of, you know, fifth year money that's going to Bradley. And I get it. You got to prepare for the future a little bit because he's contract year and all that money that's going to Randy Gregory. I'd rather turn to the draft because when you found a guy that's really good on at off ball and that's been an issue coverage and all that. I mean, you've got your field general, Zach, there. You've got Josie there to make sure Barron doesn't have to carry all that water because Barron wore the green dot on his helmet down the stretch. Let him just go be that athlete and let him chase people and break up passes. And I don't know. I just think that to me makes so much more sense than putting him as a number two, three, four, five, well, number three, four, five edge rusher behind Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory. Yeah, we can get to David in a second, but I want to flash this comment from Mark91. Edge is a big question. Mark Cooper and Malik are not the ones you want out there if Chubb or Gregory get hurt, but I mean, they're backups for a reason. What team has Pro Bowl second string edge defenders? You can't have all-stars at every spot. So if your two edge guys are Bradley Chubb, Randy Gregory, Chubb said himself, the sky is the limit. You're good there. If worse came to worst, I mean, you're talking about Malik Reed and Cooper in yesteryear being full-time starters. Now they're backups. They're fine in that role. They want to add to that in the draft. They can do that. But they don't have to take Baron running from inside linebacker and convert him to outside to compensate for that. I think it's a mistake, but I hope it uh, I hope it pays off. Good to see Michael Ronquillo in the house. And David, yes, uh, indeed, he said, by the way, there was confusion on whether the seventh-round pick the Broncos got was conditional. It was not says David. Hence, props to Peyton. Yes, indeed. Uh, Rodney says, what are your guys' input for the 64, uh, number 64 overall pick? I don't know. I mean, pro football focus, this is another interesting thing to look at here. Zach, I'll pull it up, I guess. But pro football focus, they said the uh, best case scenario for the Denver Broncos at pick 64 would be an off-ball linebacker named Chad Muma from Wyoming. That's one guy's opinion at Pro Football Focus, and forgive me, I don't even remember who it was. Um, Nick had the article for us. What's your uh, preferred tact at 64? Linebacker, so either off ball or edge or right tackle. I mean, those are the Broncos' glaring needs. Those are the Broncos' three biggest needs. Not tight end, running back, wide receiver. you got to address the linebacker position and right tackle. So if it's Muma, 
I am perfectly fine with that. Troy Anderson, I am perfectly fine with that. Abraham Lucas, I am perfectly fine with that. They want to go any of those directions. You have my stamp of approval. Um, I think the way Nick closed this article is a good way to sum up how I feel too. He says, I'm not sure I would categorize Chad Muma falling to 64 and the Broncos drafting him as the best case scenario for Denver in the draft. An edge rusher such as Minnesota's Boye Mafe or Penn State's Arnold, I always botch that name, Ebekete falling, or perhaps the Broncos loving and drafting Washington State offensive tackle Abraham Lucas or, or Tulsa's Tyler Smith might be more ideal scenarios. However, there are far worse options than drafting a linebacker with Muma's coverage chops in the middle of day two of the draft. So, Zach, it's a good way of saying, look, you sent a king's ransom for Russell Wilson. You know, he wants to play another 10 years in the league. If you're going to help him achieve that with you as as a Bronco, ostensibly, you need to protect him. And I'm still not convinced the Broncos have the horses at right tackle. Maybe they can get by this year. But what about next year? Because all the dudes in the in the conversation, Zach, for right tackle this year, they're on one-year deals. They're playing on a contract. So I'm saying the for me to answer the question, that's a long-winded way of me saying I think the best thing would be to get the next, whatever's the best offensive tackle on the board at that point would be my heart's content, but I'm not going to, you know, spit vinegar if it is Chad Muma or if it is Troy Anderson, because those guys are really good and will definitely would definitely help this team. Tackle and edge are two of the most important positions on the field, along with cornerback and quarterback, obviously. So if they go any direction of those, I, I'm perfectly fine with it. They want to get an edge guy, I'm cool. Muma, Anderson, I'm cool with that. I agree with you, though, right tackle. I'm not leaving my offensive season, my prospects to Billy Turner or Tom Compton or Calvin Anderson. It is way past time they restock that cupboard with a premium prospect, something John Elway chose not to do over many years and something I hope Peyton changes in year two of his GM ship. The Bugmeister jumping in. Appreciate you, buddy. We're going to grab you. Hang tight one sec. I just want to give everybody an update on where the Super Chat contest for the month of April stands. As you guys know, we're going to take the top five finishers on Super Chat in the month of April. Their names go into a hat. We draw one out. Raffle. The winner gets a Broncos jersey of their choosing. All right. Number one currently, DWI guys. Number two is the Duchess. Number three is D-Dub, Dale, in Hawaii, who, Zach, he's telling us we're going to see him in Vegas in not this next week, but the following. Pobby at number four, and then Tom at number five, and then nothing but a G-Thing at six, Nash the fifth at seven, the Queen at eight, Daniel, Sam Bam, Cottonmouth, Corey, and KB. So that kind of gives you an idea of where things stand there. Um, I'll do an update on uh, the Facebook contest as well here in just a minute, but uh, Bugmeister says, happy Easter right back at you. Browning will kill it no matter where he plays. He's a Swiss army knife. Hopefully it doesn't backfire. I don't know. I'm just not convinced Zach that he's got, he would be as good an edge rusher or make as big of an impact as an edge rusher as he has already made as an off ball linebacker. It's like beggars can't be choosers. The Broncos have been getting by basically with two down thumpers there since Danny Trevathan left for Chicago following Super Bowl 50 and Brandon Marshall quickly broke down, couldn't stay healthy basically. And, uh, they basically, you know, it's been some duct tape, a bandaid piece of bubble gum, do the best we can. You've got a guy that really has the potential to be a dynamic impact player. 
that can stay on the field, Zach, all three downs, and you want to move him to the edge? I would get it. If you didn't have Bradley Chubb, if you didn't have Randy Gregory, it would make a little more sense to me. But I would still be saying, mm, hey, the best predictor of, of the future is the past. And the past tells us the last two guys you tried to do this to didn't work out. Yeah, that was exactly my point. It's like your top four edge guys, Bradley Chubb, Randy Gregory, Malik Reed, and Jonathan Cooper. But who are your top inside linebackers? You have three, and they're Josie Jewell, Alex Singleton, and Jonas Griffith. None of those guys, to me, are long-term fixtures or can be. They're placeholders or two down, like Chad said, thumpers. They're one-dimensional players. Baron Browning wasn't that. They don't have the – it seems like a luxury move. For a defense that needs to be making moves that fit their needs right now in the first year under a zero Evero. We'll see how it pays off though. Yeah, and I'm <clears throat> pardon me. I'm excited to see how his defense, um, you know, what his vision for this defense is, but we're not quite there yet to where, you know, even if this was a Vic Fangio-esque defensive mind at defensive coordinator or a Wade Phillips, I'd and there and we're hearing this, I'd still be questioning it. Boy boy, I agree on Barron. He showed up and showed out at inside linebacker. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like Shani said in Super Bowl 32, do what you would do normal. Amen. Hey, Baron, go do what you would do normal. What I couldn't say it any better. Well, there's the argument I see in the comments, and it's pretty valid that Baron Browning and Evero, he might not run a base defense too often. It might not utilize inside linebackers that heavy, but they can't be in dime. They can't be in sub packages every single down. Eventually, teams are going to catch on, and they're going to start to attack the Broncos on early downs when they use an inside linebacker because they have to. I If they go that route and teams throw on early downs, I want that coverage guy in the middle to be Baron Browning. I don't want that to be Josie Jewell. That's the point there. We have yeah. to trust Evero, though. Mark Ward jumping in, a newer name on the Super Chat. Appreciate you, bro. Connect on Twitter, by the way. We like to keep in touch with our supporters on social media. Give you a shout-out after each and every podcast. He says, Minnesota Broncos country appreciates you guys. A first-timer popping his cherry. Good to see you, Mark. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate Thanks, that. As you can see in the ticker below our faces here, relative to the Facebook contest, as you know, trying to reach 250,000 stars in the month of April. When we do, raffle off a Broncos jersey of the winner's choosing. Only people in the running for that are those who helped contribute to the goal. Facebook helps keep track of that for us. It's really nice so that when we do the um, drawing at the end of the month, it's nice and convenient. I hate to be the bearer of bra uh, bad news on that front. We're only at 21% complete here on the goal, and we're 17 days into the month. So we're more than halfway through the month. And we're not even at a quarter of the goal. So I'm just saying if we're going to hit it, we're going to have to step it up. That's just the, the score. And much love and respect to anyone who has chipped in toward the goal this month so far. Those stars help keep the lights on here. So thank you. Uh, KB, what's up, bro? What's a chance Griffith, Jonas Griffith, beats out the free agent edition? Alex Singleton, Zach. I think it's going to come down to whoever's best on special teams. I mean, that's going to get the nod as the main inside linebacker. But again, it depends on how much Evero runs uh, a defense that utilizes inside linebackers. It depends how he feels about Singleton. There's a reason why they brought in, of all people, 
Alex Singleton, the two-time leading tackler from Philadelphia. A lot of fans never even heard of him, but the Broncos had eyes on him for a reason. So right now, I'm going to give him the edge. But if Griffith uh, maintains his strong marks from last season, he was better in coverage than Singleton ever was, and he shines under Dwayne Stukes, the new special teams coordinator, I can see him getting a push up the uh, the pyramid. Well said. <coughs> Pardon me. Man, frog in my throat tonight. Uh, Robert Otteson. Uh, hold on, Robert. Timbo what? Timbo Slice TV on Twitch. Not to be confused with Jimbo. Kimbo, Kimbo pardon me. <laughs> Here I'm botching my own joke. He says, what's up, fellas? Hey, shout out to those on Twitch who uh, join us each and every night. Yours is a name I don't recognize, though, for what it's worth, Timbo. So welcome. Appreciate you. Robert Otteson, ever the patient boy, says, happy Easter, brothers. Love the show. Thank you, buddy. How about Sean Ryan, offensive tackle from UCLA? He is a stud. I'll be honest with you. I don't know much about this guy. I'll uh, pull up and see what his rankings are. But um, looks like – let me do this. And bye. We like, Zach, the idea of – or at least I do. You do too. Offensive tackle in round two. But I think that would be – Maybe a little early for this guy, Scott. You'll have to you'll have to tell us on that front, but we'll keep an eye out for him, Robert. We'll check him out. Are you a UCLA guy? You a Bruin? Scott saying short arms, uh, middle of the pack athlete, too high uh, in the second round for someone like Ryan. So I'll defer to Scott's uh, scouting services there. Third round though, they don't take a, a tackle in the second round. I am all about that. Again, they have to come away with the pre- one of the premium rounds being utilized on a tackle. It's been far too long. They've ignored that position. This is the year they finally should, and I believe will address that. Absolutely. I'm just looking at a couple things here on him. Yeah, there doesn't. I mean, just reading up on him a little bit, there doesn't seem to really be all that much that's special about him in terms of his testing and um. Looks like a lunch pail caliber guy, though. So we'll circle back on that. I'll check him out, Robert. Does he have eyebrows? <laughs> yeah, let's hope. If, as long as he's got eyebrows. Just be careful yeah. making jokes about that around Will Smith. <laughs> Slap. Uh, Timbo says, I just changed my name. You're, oh, okay. So you might remember me as. I, I read that wrong completely. ST. Yeah, dude. I. Stone Cold Time. Stone Stone Cold Time. Yeah, you sound like a WWE fan. Oh, huh? Tim. Stone Cold Tim. That makes more sense. Okay. 10-4. Okay. That's why we have Scott in the background. <laughs> Even Zach needs a little syntax assistance every once in a while. Yeah, my brain's not, It's not just uh, the ever-approaching boomer well, chat. Some of these usernames have- look like randomly generated passwords on some random website. So it's hard to decipher, you know, like Twitter usernames, just a bunch of numbers and letters. Mm-hmm. Lowercase. Zach, for what it's worth over this weekend, well, toward the end of the week and during the weekend, the topic of paying Russell Wilson has been on the minds of the writing staff at MHH. This is Bob Morris's article. Luke Patterson also wrote one saying, Hey, how does the, uh, Derek Carr extension in Vegas affect perhaps Russell Wilson. Bob sat down and Bob is look, he's a, he's our resident cap guru, contract guru. Like he just understands these things, has a great kind of roots in that. He he probably shudders when I call him a cap expert, but relative to me, he's a cap expert. 
And his article here, Zach, is here's why the Broncos won't have to reset the quarterback market on a Russell Wilson extension. And it's a long piece. It's very well written. I would suggest you guys go give it a, a read when, uh, when you get a chance. But I'll sum it up, all right? Actually, I'll just put it this way to you. Do you think when Russell's time comes, the Broncos will have to compete at the highest level? Or is, he uses an example here, like in the case of Matthew Stafford, didn't reset the market. Uh, uh, in Derek Carr's case, didn't reset the market. These are guys that are kind of making deals that recognize and pay them for their talents and contributions, but also leave a little bit of wiggle room so that they can go out and try and bring home one of these things, one of these Lombardis. It's it's going to be a big number, and I I want Broncos country and the fans to be expecting that. And it's window dressing to make the player look good, to make the team look like they're showing that player a commitment. It's good for PR. But when you boil the, the deal down, what does it come out to be? Is it pay as you go? Is it front loaded? Are there incentives? What are the incentives? I don't think that Russell Wilson is going to take less than $40 million on a long-term deal, nor would the Broncos offer him that. But I don't think he's going to hold out or cause – a rift because he wants 50 or more. It'll be fair. It'll be market value, though I don't expect the Broncos to be handing a Deshaun Watson-level deal over. That'd be irresponsible. Let me just read Bob's bottom line here. He says, My belief is that as long as Wilson believes the Broncos are the best situation for him, particularly if he likes Nathaniel Hackett, he'll be more willing to take a deal that's similar to Stafford. And I can show you guys what that is. One that pays him well from 2023 to 2025 but doesn't reset the market. The best thing for the Broncos, says Bob, is to keep the current market in mind, but not dwell on it. Also, Broncos need to avoid making a public ordeal about Wilson's contract situation. While you can't stop analysts and fans from discussing it, that doesn't mean the Broncos should turn it into a public negotiation. Let the analysts and fans have their opinions. The Broncos need to keep things mostly quiet on their end, just as they did with the trade talks. I trust George Payton to do it just that way. Wilson, last thing, certainly won't come cheap if he has a great 2022 season. But if the Broncos handle the situation well, they may not have to show Wilson as much money as some people think. And Zach, he really kind of leans on what happened with Matthew Stafford, who was not extended right away after the Lions acquired him, or pardon me, the Rams acquired him from the Lions. Yeah, I don't know about waiting, though. That's my thing. What if he goes out and leads the Broncos to an AFC West crown? They go deep into the playoffs. He's going to be, at that point, in his right to demand north of 45, maybe eclipsing 50. They'd be wise to pay him now or sooner and not later and get that deal over with because when Lamar Jackson, whenever that happens, puts pen to paper, it's going to even up the market value. He probably will, at least on a per-year basis, eclipse what Deshaun Watson got. The Broncos don't want to bid against themselves, but they don't want to bid against the market either. So get it done soon. Please, George. He says here, Stafford certainly got paid well, getting $160 million on a four-year extension with $63 million fully guaranteed and $120 million in total guarantees. It's a contract that ties him to the Rams through 2024. I'm not sure what to think in terms of will it reset the market, but as well-written as that was by Bob, and it's very persuasive, I still think look, the Broncos are best off trying to get a deal done with him sooner than later just for the sake of you know, it's gonna the value for Q is just going to keep going up year over year. I don't think it'll be the end of the world. Like If Russell's camp is not already pushing for an extension, 
then let that sleeping dog lie. Fine, whatever, if that's what you want to do. But you could create some cap room probably. You can get creative. Like you're in a window now with Russell. What's the most creative things you can do to maximize that window? Well, first of all, make your quarterback feel the warm and fuzzies, get him paid. And, you know, what's Rich Hurtado's? That, you know, that's the new uh, cap wizard. Let him do his thing. Let him minimize the cap hit over the next couple of years, defer some of that down the road, and use that money to load up and let Russ cook. You know, you made a good point about showing the warm and fuzzies to Wilson and a showing of good faith. Well, it works both ways, though. Because Wilson's a quarterback at 33 years old. He got kicked off his former longtime team, unceremoniously traded. He's entering a new team, new conference, new everything. The first thing he's going to do is demand a new contract. The first thing he's going to do is, is hold out for more money or make it known behind the scenes he wants to be paid ASAP. If Russ was smart, and I believe he is, he's going to ride this out a little longer. He's not eating cat food. As I said before, $35 million he's scheduled to make this year. He can afford to be patient, and the Broncos can afford a little more to be patient as well. But it works both ways. They have to do something in good faith, but something that doesn't signal that it's all about the money. Because how do you gain the trust of the fan base, of your teammates, if you come into the locker room and immediately turn around and demand 45 a year? doesn't look too good. Zach, there's uh, something going on with my device. Can you hold it down for a couple yep. minutes? I'll be right back. I got you, sir. Lawrence Rivera hopping in. Appreciate you, Lawrence. Solo huddle up podcast time as I fill the whole screen. Appreciate you, Lawrence. We got David, new name. Welcome, David. David Mick. I'm not going to even try. Mickarath? McAlrath? I don't know. Appreciate you, David. I've been lurking around for a few years. Just wanted to show how much I enjoyed MHH over the last couple years. Thank you. Well, thank you, David. Thank you for that super as well. Let's ride. Certainly let's ride. I'm so excited. I love the tagline. I appreciate your support, David. Be sure if you have any questions, comments, concerns, considerations, fire them into the comments. We will take them as appropriate. Hattie Campbell hopping in. Appreciate you, Hattie. I think Russell will give room to get other players. The reason it didn't work in Seattle is because Pete Carroll failed in getting him help. Yeah, I think that stems more to the coaching than it does the, the players around him. He didn't have the great supporting cast, the best supporting cast, but his coaches, man, Brian Schottenheimer, Shane Waldron, they were doing him no favors. And that's the problem when you play for an older defensive-minded coach from yesteryear in Pete Carroll. Sound familiar? It's what the Broncos dealt with under Fangio the last few years. It's going to feel rejuvenating for Russell and every other player in the Broncos locker room to be working side-by-side with, with Nathaniel Hackett, who brings an energy hattie that is... I believe unmatched among NFL coaches. He's like a little kid out there and the players are going to feed off that. Russell Wilson will feel exhilarated and unleashed and just empowered to be his best. And I think Russell Wilson's best is still damn, damn good. So let's ride. David Bingaman. Appreciate you, David. I think they may let the new, the new owner pay him tinfoil hat. David, you might be right. That very well could be the case. The Broncos are stalling and vamping and uh, trying to buy time for the new owner to get in place, whoever that may be. Rob Walton, I'm looking at you. They would have more liquid cash on hand, but right now if they wanted to, the Broncos can do it. That's the thing about the salary cap. I call it a myth. It does exist, but if you want to do something, this is what I've learned covering the NFL for a decade now. If you want to do something, either pay a player, acquire a player, trade a player away, cut a player, you will find a way to get it done. So if they really wanted to right now, if they felt that impulsive, they could do it. They don't have to wait, but you may be right. Yeah, they put in the, for what it's worth, on the just on the topic of a new owner, the bids, the initial bids, Zach, 
reportedly came in on Friday. I haven't heard anything on that front since, like what the developments on the on the uh, bids are, Wait. but we could be hearing something soon. Wait, I got you guys. Better? You guys cool? <laughs> are people tripping every, already? Every, everything back. So I don't want, I'm trying to nip that in the bud, so. Yeah. Everything it, is normal, guys. It, it throws people off sometimes when we switch uh, sides on the screen here. Did we grab David? You probably did, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, sorry about that, guys. little technical difficulty on my end that had to be accounted for so that the whole stream didn't drop. Um, all right, one last thing here. Let me see. There's Where are we at time-wise? We're at 39 minutes. We might keep tonight a little bit short because, hey, it's Easter. Let people enjoy their, their holiday with their families. Um, man, I'm looking at just the sheer volume of draft content trickle is uh, cranking out right now. Look at this real quick. Well, I just want to give this man his props. All right. I'm, I'm on the homepage. I scroll down finding Broncos. One, two, three, four, five, five, just in the last two days. Uh, one of those is Lance Sanderson, I believe too, though. So props to Lance as well. Um, how would you feel Zach about this duo uh, as your first two picks this is your draft hall. Uh, Chad Reuter, NFL.com, mocked CSU tight end Trey McBride and the Montana State linebacker Troy Anderson, who's been talked about quite a bit on the Mile High Huddle different podcast, mocked to the Broncos. Would you? Uh, how would you feel about that? Who's playing right tackle? Billy Turner? Billy Tom, Turner, at least Tom this Compton, year. Calvin Anderson? I mean, you have, to me, a capable tight end in Albert O. Okay, you brought in a blocking tight end in Eric Tomlinson. You can draft a tight end in any single round. You can pick up Kyle Rudolph off the scrap heap if you want some depth there. I don't believe in using a tight end, a pick on a tight end at 64. I wouldn't mind Anderson at 75. I don't know that he'll last that long, but I wouldn't mind a linebacker there. But tight end just rubs me the wrong way. I, I can't support that. And I wonder how much of the connection on a surface level has to do with him playing for CSU. The Broncos traded away Noah Fant. They have a tight end prospect who played locally. Let's connect them together. If you look at it, though, they traded Noah Fant away because they're really high on Albert O, and they can get another body in that room at any point in the draft. I just can't ride with that. Another kind of flaw to this mock here is when you get past, all right, pick 64 is uh, McBride, pick 75, so that's their first of two picks in the third round is Anderson. No tackles. Okay, cool. Let's keep going. Then they mock, uh, or did Reuter. Was uh, it Juanye or is it Wanye? I think it's Wanye, right? Thomas, the safety from Georgia Tech, all right, who, I you know, that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's a good pick in the third round, even late in the third round. And then you've got at in round four, which I don't hate this pick, like Marcus Jones, a, you know, from Houston, the slot corner. Like he's intriguing to me, but because of what you did on the first three selections, you still have not added any offensive line depth with your first four picks in this draft. Because I don't think these people, once again, they don't know what they're talking about when it comes to the Broncos. They saw that maybe Kareem Jackson was a free agent. He since re-signed with the team and they had a young player in Caden Stearns that was penciled in next to Justin Simmons. You know, why did they they mock a cornerback to the Broncos? Oh, well, they lost Bryce Callahan and Kyle Fuller. They picked up K1 Williams. That's besides the point. I hate this mock. Even the running back at four here, a running back before a right tackle, that would discredit the entire mock to me. 
that's my opinion. Yeah, Pierre Strong was so he mocked basically. It's a four round mock that Reuter did, and because the Broncos have two um, in round four, one is the corner Marcus Jones, the other is South Dakota State running back Pierre Strong Jr., who is an interesting prospect. I mean, he ran a four three seven forty Zach at the combine. And he had some testing that put him in some pretty high percentiles, but you're, I don't know. I think the Broncos do need to add a running back. It's just that in that order, when you haven't done anything on the O-line, no edge, you're going to go, all right, so you got tight end, you got linebacker with your first top two picks in this particular class, and then you're going to go with two DBs and a running back. I just... Reuter has a lot of props and respect in the draft community, you know, as far as draft media goes. Uh, I know the guys at Mile Huddle, for example, hold him in high esteem, but that was a pretty tone deaf run of picks. That <laughs> Yeah, I would call it that for sure. And I, I don't really care how good any incoming running back looks. My RB1 is Javante Williams. That's all that really matters. You have an offense that's chock full with talent. There's only one ball to go around, and your starting running back as of today is Javante. You want to take a running back in the sixth, the seventh? You want to get a UDFA? That's fine. But to take one before a right tackle, to take one when you have Javante and your starting tackle is Billy freaking Turner, who you got rid of for a reason. I don't Indeed. like it. Leroy says, hey, guys, Mile High Salute. Just to let you know, I received the T-shirts. I haven't put one on yet, but I still – or pardon, but I will send a picture of me wearing one of the shirts or both. Thanks, guys. One love. Yeah, dude, we want to we wanna see it. We'll put it on uh, Instagram, bro. We'll flex. We'll uh, – it'll be awesome. Michael, good to see you in the chat tonight, bro. We'll talk to you on the next stream, which will be tomorrow night. Zach, let me make sure I'm not missing anything here, but I think it – here we are at the 45-minute mark. You know, wind her down. I don't think we need to stay on if once we've kind of hit the topics tonight that we wanted to get to. And it's Easter. People want to enjoy their families. But there's one that's bugging me on the back end here. Oh, last one. And then we'll we'll dip on out. Uh, Bradley Chubb talking about his goals. And there's I kind of liked this, if I'm being honest, Zach. Like, he didn't talk about trying to get, you know, 20 sacks. He didn't talk about, oh, I want to get another Pro Bowl. His main goal for 2022 is playing all 17, staying on the field, which sounds like he heard when his head coach, his new head coach, who has zero investment in him other than what the team is paying him this year. You know, I mean, Bradley Chubb's making a decent, got a decent raise on a fifth year option this year. But Nathaniel Hackett at the owners meetings, when he was asked, hey, what are your expectations? What's your outlook for Bradley Chubb in 2022? Talked about, yeah, I want him to get after the quarterback and all that, but keyed in on be available. So the good news here, Bradley Chubb, healthy, entering the offseason for the first time since his rookie season. What did he do as a rookie? It was his most prolific and productive year as a pro in which he produced 12 sacks, earned a lot of great rookie honors, didn't quite get the defensive rookie of the year that, that particular season, but your thoughts on his main goal. Yeah, he can't get after the quarterback if he's standing on the sideline or laying on a trainer's table. So, yeah, staying healthy is is number one, the biggest priority for Bradley Chubb. I like what he said that, curiously, wasn't included in the Broncos transcript from the Broncos PR staff. 
Um, he had a decent or a solid uh, week seven, week 18, sorry, last regular season game. And he said he wanted to go out with a bang against Kansas City because everyone hates them in the building. I just love the that quote. I love what they're fostering there. And I love the the realness. You talked about tone deaf with Chad Reuter about that box draft. This yeah. is anti-tone deaf from Bradley Chubb. He realizes the biggest knock in his game. He realizes where the criticism criticism is aimed at and why and he wants to dispel that i i respect that and i appreciate that i'll get it done guys thank you for giving us some of your time here on easter evening love you appreciate you we're gonna get on out of here though we'll be back tomorrow night thank you guys have a great rest of your sunday great rest of your weekend god i can't talk must be the uh, the holiday vibes going on today but i will be back on tomorrow night same time same place six o'clock mountain eight o'clock eastern in that time in the meantime follow us on twitter at huddle up pod you can follow the main account on twitter at mile high huddle you can follow chad on twitter at chad and jensen you can follow myself at kelberman nfl follow scott on twitter at scout kennedy if you guys want a hat, shirt, tank top, anything and everything you can imagine is right there. HuddleUpPod.com. That's our store. Get yourself some right now. And Facebook.com slash MyLaHuddlePod. Like that page. Follow that page. Guys, if you haven't, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some merch each and every month. But if you can't do those things, please subscribe to this video, like this video, and share this video and every video you see on the MHA's channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. So true. So true. And we really appreciate those of you who do take the time. It's a simple thing while you're in the conversation, listening to us yammer on, just like the video. It's a small thing you do. It's no skin off your teeth. Helps us out in a big, bad way. Shout out to these great supporters tonight on Facebook. Claude throwing down stars, Rodney, Albert, uh, thoughts and prayers, Albert, Lawrence Rivera, and then our super chat superstars this evening, Drew, the Duchess, Zeus, out of the gate, Zach, well, four and oi boy, Josh, we got four Mount Rushmore superstars out of the gates showing out, representing MHH, the Bugmeister, Mark Ward, a newer name. Awesome. Uh, KB, love you, buddy. Robert Otteson and David McGillrath. Appreciate you guys. Love and respect. See you tomorrow night. Take care. And as always, guys, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.